a lot of us would think like, you know, my child doesn't sit still or they have a lot of energy or they have a short attention span. So how can they actually learn how to meditate when maybe I can't meditate? Like I can't sit still. I can't clear up my mind. So how are they supposed to do it? You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 226. Today, we're talking about meditation for kids with Tejal Patel. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator for the Mindful Parenting Membership, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. I am so glad you are here. I hope you are healthy and safe and sound in these crazy days if you are listening in current times in our crazy shelter in place world of 2020 I feel like we did not give 2019 its due like I think we underestimated 2019 we should have appreciated 2019 more because 2020 is a whole different story oh my goodness. So we are all figuring out how to deal with our stress and we're using the tools. We we put out the Mindful Mama Daily Dose, 24 free uh, meditations for you to use. It's a crazy world. There's a lot happening. And so we can, we, we're using meditation as a tool in our own families, in ourselves, right? To to help us reduce our stress response and and have a little equanimity through the ups and downs of the, what's happening here. It's something that I really is essential. I need to keep into my keep in my life, you know. But what do we do for kids? And and there's been so much exciting movement about um, meditation and mindfulness for kids in recent years, and we've talked about it with different. Uh, people on the podcast and, and recently talking to Susan Kaiser Greenland, um, I think in episode 200, I don't know, you'd have to look it up, but very recently, <laughs> and she her sharing some tips. And today we have Tejal Patel, and she's a, a former divorce attorney turned Ayurveda mindfulness and meditation expert for moms and kids. And she's the host of the Time and Talks and author of a new book, Meditation for Kids, 40 Activities to Manage Emotions, Ease Anxiety, and Stay Focused, which is out right now. You can get it, and I recommend it. Um, so, you know, we're going to talk today about what does it look like for a child to meditate? And I want you to get rid of that idea of like your child sitting silently for hours. But honestly, little kids can meditate. And you're going to hear in this conversation that I have some skepticism in my voice because it's not something I was familiar with when my kids were little too much. It wasn't something that I did. But Tejal shares uh, wonderful active meditations from the kundalini yoga tradition that can help children deal with different feelings so i want you to listen for some important takeaways how how meditation can really help kids activate their rest and relax response how we can use language kids understand like like yummy and yucky to talk about their feelings and their stress and how um, kids can really access this power, the power of meditation that we may know as adults through meditations for them, like through with mantras and movement. So um, I'm excited for you to dive into this episode. And before we dive in, I just want to let you know that this summer coming up soon, I'm going to be opening enrollment uh, for the Mindful Parenting Teacher Training Program. And the prerequisite for it is uh, going through the Mindful Parenting course. So we will have that available this summer. But I am so excited about my teacher trainees. We are starting to to bring Mindful Parenting to their two communities. And actually, will be the first batch of teachers will be taking it to communities in 
Montana, I believe, Kansas, and Sweden. Crazy, right? And this course will, this teacher training course will teach you to certify you to teach my mindful parenting course, the eight modules of that in person in your local community. So this is when we can start to get back together in person and you can maybe train to do that. So if you're passionate about parenting, uh, if you're um, maybe you're a therapist or a, a doula or just love this uh, and is something that you want to make in your life much, you know, in a deeper level and something that you want to share and, you know, learning to teach something really makes you learn it awfully well. Well, reach out to me right now. We don't have the webpage for this up and ready yet as of the um, release of this episode, but it should be up soon. But uh, you can check at mindfulmamamentor.com for that or reach out to me at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com and I'd be happy to talk to you more about it. Okay, enough about that. On to this episode. Dejal, thanks so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Hunter. I'm so glad you could come here and talking about a very important topic these days, help your kids chill now that we are all so many of us like one as of time of recording one fifth of the people in the u.s anyway are under orders to stay home uh with the pandemic so i'm so super excited to talk to you about this and helping kids with mindfulness i'm so thrilled for you to come on to talk about this but first i just want to check in with you and how how is the uh stay home how are the stay home orders going for your family it's been um interesting you know i have a almost five-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, I think that the most difficult part has been having my husband home, honestly, <laughs> because that throws my, like, throws my schedule out off in a loop, surprisingly enough. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been interesting um, in the sense that just kind of creating a new schedule. The first week I felt was chaotic and now we're like moving into the second week and I'm very much like a routine oriented person. So I'm like, all right, okay, we're home. And now like, I feel a little bit more settled, I think, because I made a new routine for us. Um, so yeah, it's been going okay. All right, cool. And you're not far from me. We, we, Tejal and I live pretty close to each other. You're in Southern Jersey and I'm Northern Delaware. And it sounds like, you know, you kind of have a similar experience. So I'm lucky enough, very fortunate enough to have our, uh, you know, our own house with our own yard so we can just step outside and have fresh air. I feel I'm really appreciating that more than I ever have before. Um, and we're, we're doing a lot of that so we can go, you know, around our neighborhood and all kinds of things like that. And I'm just noticing that things are quiet. Like there's just not as many people, not as many, or there are people outside, but not, no, not as many cars and just, you know, not a lot happening, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I like that though. It's like, it's really like quieted down. And I think, like you said, we live in a neighborhood. So just seeing all the kids outside playing when the weather's nice, like people taking walks, social distancing, but they're like taking yeah, yeah, walks yeah. and, you know, it's, we're just kind of reconnecting and slowing down and just being with each other. I know. I think in some ways, like you, you, it, there's, a bunch of suffering happening like that to be clear like that's mm -hmm. there's all that definitely happening but it's also helpful to remember the silver linings like there's you know from the point of view of global warming like this may be one of the best things to happen for the earth as far as like the clearing of pollution and the, we're not using so much carbon and the, like that's great in some ways. And maybe this can be, you know, there is the possibility that this can be a time of slowing down and healing and, and, uh, and just kind of, you know, getting off that like rat race, rat treadmill. But then some people feel like they're even more scheduled and more in a rat race because now they're trying to work a full-time job and take care of their kids. And especially for a lot of women, they're kind of surprised to fall, find that a lot of the jobs are falling along these traditional gender lines and they're doing like all the cooking for everyone in the house all the time now. And that's not so fair. I don't know. There's a lot, a lot going on. 
I think so. I think you, you really nailed it in the sense that everyone's experience, like it's not easy for anyone. And I think that the level of uprootingness or the, the level of emotions that we're feeling, I think I was reading this article on Harvard Business Review and they were talking about the, the emotions that we're feeling is a process of grief. And we're, you know, as anyone who experiences grief in the traditional sense, um, you know, there's layers and experiences and emotions that that's a cycle that gets with grief. And I think that's a good indication, you know, each, each and every one of us are different phases in that grief cycle. I think, you know, some people are like in denial and some people are like really angry, like their freedom is taken away. And some people are in the space of like acceptance. Okay. This is my new normal for the foreseeable future. What are my next steps that I need to take? I think we're just on this different spectrum of like this anticipatory grief that yes, our schedules and our lives are going to be changed and uprooted in ways that we, there's no concrete salute, like vision for us to know what it is. Um, and yeah, I think that we're all processing it the best way that we can. Hmm. I love that, that idea that we're all in these different great phases of grief. Cause yeah, it is, a, there's like, a, it's like, we're, we are losing something. We're losing mm-hmm this, uh, our lives as we knew them. And now we're in these different lives. And it's, you know, from certain perspectives, it's like not so big a deal. My brother was laughing because I sent him a, like a little meme that said like, our ancestors were, had, were drafted and went to war and you are being asked to stay on your couch. We can do this. You know, <laughs> like, love it. Which is like such a great perspective and helpful, you know, at times. But it is, but it, it, you know, it's okay for us to feel this grief and this, you know, the anxiety and the worry for the people on the front lines and all of that. So much happening. So our kids uh, at different ages are processing this in different age, ways. I imagine your youngest one, it's all just kind of going over uh, his head or her. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's so interesting that you say that I did, you know, with, with my five-year-old, you know, we do meditate and we do, you know, we do all these mindfulness and we're very open. I mean, to a certain degree, like what's happening and why we're home, but then the same thing, like exactly what you're saying. I had a moment yesterday, I was watching my one-year-old in the bath and he was like, nothing has changed in his life, right? Like it's still just engrossed in his little thing. So um, yeah, it's, it's certainly you know, even before this, we know for a fact that children uh, absorb secondhand stress, right? They they have the ability, they're energetically sensitive. And, you know, even before this experience, the, the National um, Institute of Mental Health had said that nearly one in five children experience some sort of clinical level of anxiety before they reach adolescence. So this is a problem before this even time, this, this experience of uh, coronavirus and this lockdown and the quarantine. Like childhood is anxiety is one of the top problems of our time. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. We are supported by the Grassroots Farmers Cooperative. With all the concerns uh, right now about meat, from processing conditions to supply chain issues, I want you to know that there's a really good, and I really mean it, I am so proud that they are my sponsor, a really much better way to source our meat, the Grassroots Farmers Cooperative. I am so impressed with them. They are committed to total transparency from pasture to plate. The Grassroots Cooperative, it, Farmers Grassroots Farmers Cooperative, is made up of small U.S.-based family farms who handle every part of the meat production process, which makes them a resilient, trustworthy source for meat, with less risk for disruption in the supply chain. Grassroots Farmers Cooperative farms thoughtfully for care of the land and their animals. They are concerned about replenishing valuable nutrients in the soil and raising their animals on pastures in micro herds. Grassroots Farmers Cooperative prioritizes quality of life for their animals, employee welfare, and food safety, which results in delicious nutrient-rich meat as from a source that you can trust. 
we had some amazing burgers from Grassroots Farmers Cooperative, which I don't eat red meat, but I was so thrilled. We have red meat in our family about three times a year and or four times a year, much to the chagrin of my older daughter who loved it. She said they were amazing burgers. And I thought we had the chicken earlier and it was so delicious. I could really taste the difference. You can order Grassroots Farmers Cooperative today. No subscription required. It's delivered straight to your door. And there's even a QR code on each piece of meat that lets you trace your meat back to the farm for total transparency. Right now, they're giving our listeners a special limited time offer, $40 off plus free shipping. And to get that, you can go to grassrootscoop.com hunter to get the full details and order today. Go now. That's grassrootscoop.com slash H-U-N-T-E-R. Yeah, so the childhood anxiety in adolescence, it, yeah, it's a huge problem. We've been hearing it everywhere. And, and, and you know, even before this pandemic, it, there's a lot for them to be anxious about. It's a very, It's a very different world. I think that it's interesting kind of thing where it comes from. It's hard to know where it comes from. There's a lot of different sources. Are we more anxious? Are people just more aware of it in general? Or is it just the world is very uncertain and we have very few safety nets for people um, in the US and and uh, there is a lot of lot of uncertainty. Um, so, so yeah, part of it, you know, this dealing with childhood anxiety and, and part of what what you're doing to help with that is to help teach kids mindfulness practices. So tell me about how you got into that and how you got involved in this work. Yeah. So about 10 years ago, I was actually a divorce attorney and I specialized in all out of court divorce resolution. So I was a divorce mediator and I uh, did collaborative divorce. So I had both the husband and the wife in front of me and it was a different type of, you know, situation. And pretty much 100% of my clients were parents. That's why they were attempting to try to amicably divorce out of court. Um, and you know, it was interestingly around that same time when I was 26, 27 years old, I personally was going on a spiritual journey. I was experiencing a lot of anxiety, um, panic attacks, and I largely thought it was because of the stress of my work and the nature of the work that I did. And, um, you know, I found yoga and meditation just naturally, like when you get into that world, you just open up to one thing after the other, one thing after the other. And, you know, the interesting thing is when you have the husband and wife in front of you, it's kind of half being an attorney, half a therapist, because they're so open with sharing their emotions as well. And a big topic of conversation was these parents' worry and fears of how this was emotionally you know, hindering their children or affecting their children. And so naturally, it would just start to, with some of my clients that I felt more comfortable with, trickle in some of the wisdom that I was learning through my own personal journey. And they were sharing it with their kids. And they were saying, wow, this really has been helping, whether it was a breathing technique or a book that I recommended. And so that was really when my, my intuition started telling me, you know, what if children had these tools like meditation, mindfulness, breathing at a young age? And back in 2010 and 12, when I got sort of I went in, I did my kids yoga and mindfulness training first. And um, at the time, my husband and I owned preschools in the South Jersey area. So I started infusing um, yoga and meditation and mindfulness in the classrooms. I did this program for the past 10 years I've been teaching in the classroom setting. And then about five years ago, I really started getting this Next, my next intuitive hit was that, you know, if I really wanted children to embody these practices and these tools from a young age and carry it with them, really parents and teachers also needed to be practicing and reinforcing these tools. Like I'm just one person, children come to me for eight week periods of time, you know, very short period of time in their life. So it's the parents and the teachers who are working with children more in-depthly needed to be um, taught these tools. So about five years ago, I created a curriculum called the Mindful Beginnings Curriculum, where I would go into classrooms for a full year. I would teach not only the children, but teachers, um, and the teachers would carry on the curriculum throughout the week. 
And so um, I've educated hundreds of New Jersey teachers how to bring these practices into classrooms. And then basically the trifecta or the third point of it, it back in 2014, when I was um, thinking about becoming a parent myself, I realized, you know, I want to become certified in order to teach adults. And so I got my Kundalini yoga and meditation year long certification. And it was during that process I became pregnant. And I really have infused these practices in my own parenthood and my own journey from the time that I was pregnant to newborn phase and beyond. And my oldest son is now five. And, uh, you know, as he has been from the ages of two and a half to three, I've really documented and shared on my Instagram and uh, my podcast how I build these practices with young children. And so mm -hmm. I've educated parents how to bring these practices. So my new book, Meditation for Kids, is really a compilation of my 10 years of experience teaching in the classroom. But also as a parent, what I really, my niche is, is not only just teaching like kid-friendly experience, like exercises or watered down exercises, but like really have the, the science of Ayurveda and yoga and the mindful breathing tools. Like when you're experiencing a certain type of stress, there is a specific yoga posture or breathing or a meditation that's going to help you move through it. So when you're feeling anxiety, there's a different set of tools. When you're feeling anger, frustration, jealousy, there's another set of tools. When you're feeling um, sadness or completely fatigued, there's another set of tools. So my goal is, is that, you know, my, my niche and my gift is to be able to translate these ancient wisdom in really kid-friendly ways. But this book is a way of building family meditation into a practice because these tools are rooted in ancient Ayurveda and science. Okay. So you, you um, mentioned, um, you mentioned Ayurveda um, can you define that for the listener who does, is not familiar with what Ayurveda is? Yes, absolutely. So Ayurveda is the oldest ancient holistic health system. It's the lesser known sister science to yoga. So these two sister sciences were always meant to be practiced together. And science, uh, Ayurveda is essentially the wisdom of life or the science of life. So essentially, you know, what we talk about modern day stress um, the, the wisdom of Ayurveda is all about how to achieve optimal health, well-being, and balance by creating a mind-body synergy through what we eat, through lifestyle practices, through correct yoga postures, breathing exercises, meditation. So it's a holistic way of creating preventative stress um, in your life. And so it ties in the wisdom of, like I said, yoga into these holistic life practices. Yeah, when I think of Ayurveda, I think of, I guess, sort of the different ways of eating for different body types and the way people um, differently uh, digest and process food and things for helping you feel more grounded and things for helping you feel lighter, et cetera. Um, and, and I know there's a lot more to it than that, um, which you can say, but, but that's a big journey to go from a divorce mediator to, to kind of sharing, to sharing this with kids and, um, and, you know, and you and I have a lot of in, in common in what we see with that, that this really needs to be part of the home, right? It needs to be part of families. It needs to be part of parents' lives in order for it to be some, a tool that kids can use. Uh, you know, parent, parents need to be able to, to use that too. So uh, when you think about, now I know that um, I can imagine the listener who maybe right now is is home with home with their kids. Uh, the kids are they're trying to homeschool. They're feeling crazy because they have to. They're trying to work their own full time job. All this stuff is happening, and it sounds wonderful to have some stress release. Yes, like yes, that's what people need and what we want. But the I but as I can imagine for many listeners, it sounds really like unrealistic and like like not not for them not not something that's that they can bring into their their lives right now so talk to talk to the the idea of like sharing some of these mindfulness practices for kids and and the, the objections that somebody who's feeling really pressured and stressed might have to this yeah so i'm glad you asked that question um 
The first thing I think that there needs to be a perspective shift on actually like, what does it look like for a child who meditates? Because a lot of us would think like, you know, my child doesn't sit still or they have a lot of energy or they have a short attention span. So how can they actually learn how to meditate when maybe I can't meditate, like I can't sit still, I can't clear up my mind. So how are they supposed to do it? And so um, one of the biggest things that we have to really get clear with this is that when we think of meditation, we think of this quintessential like individual sitting on the floor, crisscross, eyes closed, you know, taking deep breaths, focusing on their breath, and they have like no thoughts in their mind. And this, yeah, like that's the vision that we think of with meditation. And we're like, yeah, our kid's not going to do that. The funny thing is too, is that everyone who's practiced meditation knows that it's such a BS image because no thoughts in your mind. Good luck with that one, honey. Exactly. Exactly. And that, you know, and like that seated meditation where we're like focusing on our breath, like more of that traditional mindfulness meditation, that's a form of passive meditation. So like there's tons of different types of meditations out there, but they fall into two categories. One being passive meditation where the focus is, is like you're focusing on your mind to clear it out. But there's a second well, category. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. So just a second, but when you're doing mindfulness meditation, I could see it categories as a passive meditation that you're accepting and allowing whatever's arising, but the goal is not to clear your mind of thoughts. And it's really important. And I, I want the listener to understand that, that thoughts come, thoughts will come for the very experienced meditator for years and years and years. It's just about changing our relationship to the thoughts that arise and developing some concentration as well, but not to, not to clear our minds of thoughts. I, I, I just want to put that in there. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, but the focus of it potentially is, is that you're learning how to, it's like focusing on your thoughts. It's like trying to clear it out, trying to like allow the thought and like try to get to that place of stillness where there's like you're with yourself and there's like clearness. So that's like what, like, that's the whole idea with like passive meditation. And then there's active meditation where there's the focus is like training your brain to have a mental anchor. So you're focusing on one thing at a time. And so with active meditation, the forms of meditation that are out there are when you're doing a guided meditation, because you're focusing on listening, it's a form of giving yourself a mental anchor. Or when you use an affirmation or a mantra, that is training your brain to focus on one thing at a time. So you're giving yourself an anchor breathing exercises. So like when you're, when you're using your, um, when you're focusing on your breath, there are different types of breathing exercises. And when you're teaching children, you create it in a tangible way where you're using your body or with my book, they're touching the book in a certain way. So they're giving their mind an anchor point. So what I say is that, you know, which science says is like the active meditation is the way that when you start focusing on one thing at a time, automatically your parasympathetic nervous system activates. You you start to relax, your mind starts to slow down. So you're training your brain, which is a mechanism and a tool that we've been given to have thoughts. It's training it to focus on one thing at a time. And so when you're teaching children, the entry point, and when you're an adult, and if you're a beginner, and this was largely my experience too, when I tried mindfulness meditation first of like trying to just clear it out and trying to focus on my breath only, it was much harder to do than when I entered the entry point of like having a mental anchor point to focus on. So when you're teaching children and when I was trained in Kundalini meditation, I was fascinated because a lot of the meditations uses your body and you're using mantras and you're using different breath work and you're a lot of it felt very active like you're actually physically moving your body raising your hands above your head shaking it out there's like a meditation called ego eradicator where you're doing this pumping of your navel navel and you don't need to really do it for a very long period of time a lot of a lot of exercises and meditations that we did was for one to three minutes and you would feel a visceral experience, a shift in your vibration and in your energy. And so when you're teaching children the entry point, because they are naturally concrete learners and they, they use their bodies, there are a lot of kundalini meditations that I translated in a way that's really playful that help children and parents learn how to focus their mind and do that active meditation and help them build that anchor point. And then that, and there's exercises in there. Once a child starts to learn how to focus and a parent can practice these tools, learning to focus on one thing at a time, they can build that passive meditation practice, that 
quintessential, like sitting quietly, closing your eyes, taking deep breaths, and like allowing the thoughts to come in and flow out. Just that 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 sort of meditation. So there's that's the entry point of how we've been successful in teaching children the basics and the fundamentals of meditation at a young age. That's so cool. And, you know, and I would say like when we teach mindfulness meditation to a beginner, right, there is an anchor, right? There is an anchor. It's, but definitely less active. I've done some Kundalini yoga practice and, and they're so active. So can you describe a, can you describe a couple of meditations that some someone might teach a, a beginner a child uh starting wanting to to do this and help their help their child chill out a little and release some stress yeah so the first thing that i think that what empowers not only our children but ourselves is helping us understand what is the type of stress that they're experiencing and so there's a really simple like yummy yucky uh stress skin example that's in the book and that's like one of the entry points of one of the first uh exercises that you teach your child and so the way that it's described is that our body is like an airplane and anytime we feel like yucky inside, it means that one of our engines is not working. And so there's a scan that tells them, let's find out which one of our engines is not working. So you put your hands on your forehead. So and that's your head engine. So is your head engine feeling yucky? Is it loud like a howling hurricane or is it quiet like a starry summer night? And so you're helping them learn the sensation. Is it is your mind loud or is it quiet? And if they're feeling the loudness, that's where anxiety is. Because according to Ayurveda, when you're feeling anxiety, it means that there's too much energy that should be at your legs and your seat of your thighs. It's risen and now it's like spinning. So we have to ground that back out. So you need a breathing tool or a yoga posture or a mantra that's going to help you feel grounded. And then the second skin is that you place your hand on your heart and you see, does your heart engine feel hot, like hot, like lava rocks let resting on your chest, or does it feel cool like a strawberry smoothie? And so say and that's when the seat of emotional stress is anger, frustration, jealousy, it creates heat in your body. What Ayurveda teaches us is that your agni is burning too hot. That's why we feel flush in our face. That image of steam coming out of our ears, it's because there's too much heat in our body. So you need to do a breath. You need to do body postures, yoga postures to start cooling our body down. And then um, the third is um, placing your hand on your belly engine. Does your belly engine feel um, playful excited and happy like a happy dragon or is it slow and tired like a sleepy dragon so feelings of sadness of feeling um, even high levels of depression like that it's too much kapha earth energy in you stagnant energy so in order for us to feel like if we're feeling burnt out fatigued sadness we need to invigorate that energy that's too um too hard or sluggish and we need to move energy up so with that stress scan, it teaches children to understand the sensations of their body, where the stress lives, and then there's also guides them to, like a parent can guide them, when I'm feeling my head engine is spinning, do a windy windmill breath. When I'm feeling that my heart, my heart engine is not working because it's overheated, then I do um, sipping strawberry smoothie breath. When my belly engine is feeling slow and sluggish, I do happy dragon breath. And this is a normal part of our conversation now as a parent. Like when I talk to my son Ayan and he's being really loud, and I notice that my trigger is that my head is spinning. Like Ayu, my my head engine is really spinning. And whenever you're talking really loud, it sounds like a howling hurricane wind. Can you please just lower your bone just a little bit so that I can start settling it down? And he and he uses the same language. He's like, mommy, my heart engine is feeling overheated. I need to do some strawberry smoothie breath. I need to cool down. And so this is a normal conversation now that we have. And it's a better way of communicating not only as a parent, like what stress that they're experiencing in a way that's like not you know like barking at our child. It's like a playful way of expla- explaining it. And it's the easier way. Hmm. I love that. I love that idea of scanning the body and thinking and talking about it like an engine and things like that. Um, this is a great way to to share this with with little kids. And it's very much uh, sounds like uh, kind of an energy management, like where what is happening in body. And that's great because that teaches kids that proprioception, that sense of being able to feel 
inside one's body and become more embodied, which is really hard for, for many, many of us in our culture. So kind of what I'm hearing you say here is that par- parents and kids could start this together, that they could learn this together, and that this could be maybe a gateway for more mindfulness practice, or it maybe it, it, it just hangs out on its own as its own tool as it is to sort of manage energy and manage stress. Absolutely. Yeah. I've really, I think there's such power, like um, I've really made it as the, the easiest entry point for parents who who are beginners at it, but mm-hmm. also, you know, for parents who do maybe have their own practice, but they don't know how to communicate it to their children in a way that they'd understand. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is for wherever you are on the spectrum. And just to kind of give an example of like, cause I get this all, you know, so how do you even explain meditation to a child? Mm-hmm. And the way that we do, cause for when, for children, this book is specifically for children between the ages of four to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the same way. Like, you know, we talk to our children about you brush your teeth every day to take the sugar bugs away and you wash your body to wash the germs away. We brush our brain every day by taking deep breaths and meditating to keep yucky thoughts and feelings away. So it's a part of our normal conversation and the way that we've made it into a daily habit. Um, and it's really for children, it's only between um, one to three minutes. Like each exercise in the book is very short. It's only a page. So you really only need to do one or two of the exercises and that you know, when you're building it and that's, that's enough, like that will start building the practice. You know, a lot of people think, oh, is it like five minutes, 10 minutes? No, you, you just do little pieces. It's more of the consistency of your teaching your child. You brush your teeth every day. You took a shower and we just brush our brain. We're doing consistently something to build that habit in their mind. So what are some of the, what are some of the go-to kids meditation exercises that you use in your family and can maybe if you could describe one that would be great yeah absolutely so um we talked about like windy windmill and sipping strawberry smoothies so i figured i'll just do those because we've already kind of talked about them and those are probably the most predominant ones that you want to be able to teach. So the windy windmill breath is the one for anxiety which i was talking about when there's too much energy in our head and we're experiencing that right now right too many thoughts worst case scenarios there's we're just kind of flighty and living up in the future tripping type of situations. Um, The breath that we've been taught that helps uh, turn on our parasympathetic nervous system for this is that you take a deep inhale in through your nose and you're exhaling through your mouth, but the exhale being longer than the inhale. And so the way that you would describe that to your child is that, and I know you can't visually see me, so I'm gonna do the best I can. Cause like I said, <laughs> everything is tangible. The child is not just taking deep breaths in and out. They're using their body in some way to help their mind focus on what they're doing. So what they do is that they take their two pointers and they face it and face Fingers. it towards each other. Yeah pointer fingers. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's what I meant. Uh, pointer fingers. And they're, they're um, pointing it towards each other in front of their mouth mm. as if it's like my son says, it's like London Bridge. Mm. So you close this the London Bridge. And what you do is you take your inhale through your nose and then you blow it slowly out of your mouth and the fingers rotate around each other in a circle. So when your mind is feeling loud, like a hurricane wind, first I make them spin it really loud, like really fast, sorry, really fast. Mm. Then they're going to start slowing it down. So as they take your breath in and a slow breath out, their fingers start to slow down. So it's a visual clue that their breath is going to start slowing down. And so they keep doing that for at least three to five breaths to start it off. And that's how you build, like whenever you feel like your mind is your thoughts are racing around and it feels like a noisy, feels noisy, like a busy city. This is what you do. You, you do this windy windmill breath to slow down the wind in your brain. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. I love that. So, um, so this sounds awesome. It sounds like for you, this was, this was optimal. You were like, okay, I'm pregnant. I've been teaching these in preschools. Now I can and practice it with my own son. Now, do you work with people whose kids are older, who kids who may already have a six, seven, eight-year-old, and they they want to share these tools with their kids, but their kids may already have some resistance to that kind of thing. I mean, I know that my daughters are nine and thirteen, and they have tons of resistance to the whole idea of mindfulness and meditating because Mama is the mindful Mama mentor, and they want <laughs> nothing to do with that, you know. So, 
What, what happens, have you worked with people who have kids who are a little older, but maybe within the range of what you're talking about? So my, my honest specialty is the young children. It's between the children of ages four through eight and at schools, like I'd be trickling it in at three, but really I think four to eight is like that prime pocket of time where they're receptive and they're able to get it. Um, I've worked very closely with uh, Malika Chopra, like as far as like when parents want to go to the next step, she has a great resources. Like basically how I have this book for four to eight year olds. She has the book for children who are like that eight to 13 year olds, like just breathe and just feel they're mm. great resources. Like now that you have children who can read by themselves that, and her books are relatable for that age range. She worked with her own kids and her nieces and nephews who were in like what you're talking about, the age range of your daughters that like, like what would be, um, you know, what would be like understandable or geared towards them. So her books have like more of um, exercises based off of like what they deal with, like whether mm. it's like situations with friends or like, you know, someone says something like not nice, like situations that they find themselves in very commonly when you're like a, a tween and a teen and then relating the breath or the exercise or the meditation to that. So I think she brilliantly, like she's the next step I feel like for that age range. My expertise is really the young children um, mm -hmm. and making it play and making it understandable. And really my entry point, because I have a lot of experience of bringing parents into it when they're new to it. So that's really my niche. That's great. That's great. So there we go. We have some more resources for, for kids with older, older parent, uh, older kids. And, uh, but if you have younger kids, this, this sounds awesome. So we can practice some windy windmill breath, etc. Um, would you, what are you what are you doing now to take care of your anxiety and and, and feelings and such that are coming up during this whole uh, experience and uh, how are you dealing with it for yourself personally yeah i definitely you know we're like in week two while we shoot this of lockdown and definitely week one um i was fine and then wednesday thursday i think i felt this like heavy weight i think it's partially just my own emotions but also feeling the collective heaviness mm -hmm. i just felt it all at once and what really helps me with my anxiety and i think this also stems from my training of um really working with like understanding the energies of your body is that when we're feeling that extensive heaviness and that anxiety, like I felt that real like loudness in my mind, um, you know, moving like energy, Emotions are just energy in motion. So when we feel that stagnant energy, one of the best things that we could do, and I know right now we're stuck in our homes, is like actually physically move the energy out. So I've been doing, anytime I feel that heaviness, I put music and kind of like tribal music too, like, like things that have like beats to it where I'm like slamming the floors and like kind of shaking my body. And like, you know, if you're a dance party type of person, put like loud, upbeat music, like just move your body because right now when you're feeling the heaviness we need to dispel that energy before we can find stillness or we can like before these breaths even really work sometimes for me if there's a lot of that heaviness I have to move the energy out of my body and then I can find stillness so I've been doing like that's like on our schedule dance party whether it's like our family dance party or I'm just like putting tribalist like music on by myself and just like shaking it out that rocks I love that yeah I mean I would say the same thing for me the for one of my biggest tools for managing my anxiety in these times is um you know I I run so I just I go for a run I I call it getting my yayas out yeah <laughs> I like that that's what I said to my kids today is that I got to go get my yayas out, you know, and, and I just, I, I go for a run. It was cool actually speaking of sharing things with your kids that my 13 year old decided she wanted to run. And so we ran together and it, it felt really good and it was fun. And you know what I'm doing with them as I am getting them outside or moving in some way, whatever way you can get your kids moving is saying, Oh, doesn't it, just helping them point out and see that doesn't it feel good to wake up your body, to have it move? Doesn't your body feel good and alive um, to be doing this? Just kind of pointing that out. I think, I think movement is a, a great resource. Any ideas for, for those of us who, you know, I think you could probably, any ideas for movement for someone who's really stuck for time and stuck inside I me? Mean, I guess you could do like a, 
a three minute dance three party. Minutes. Yeah. And I see, you know, like a lot of people who love running like you, like you have the luxury of, because you live in a suburban area, you can run. And I know that some people, like I have friends that live in New York city right now and they're like complete lockdown, like in their apartment and they're like going crazy. And I, that's like, so if you're stuck at home, you could do the dance party. But if you have the luxury, which is amazing to go out and get fresh air, even doing like jumping jacks, like outside mm. and just like, you know, if you can, I know everybody's different and like where, where they live and their constraints, but like, yeah, I feel like the, the dance party, you can do it in your house and just make the, make the music loud. Like, do, like I tell my son, like you can like, in that five minutes, you can like hit the sticks and you can drum on things and like make it loud and obnoxious and big and just get it all out. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I guess the, for me, the resource that comes to mind, if you're not, if you're really like, no way ever, ever am I going to do a dance party, you try the seven minute workout. It's on your like Amazon Alexa, if you have that, or it's wherever you can just find a bunch of versions of it. And it's, it's really cathartic. My kids have done the seven minute workout with me too. Yeah. So, um, so so you're seeing, so this is great. Like what, you know, this tools to help your kids chill. And, um, I, I love this. We can, we can help our kids get that, get, learn what feels yummy, what feels yucky. I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, are, are there any other things that you're doing with your kids to, to get through this time as far as, um, practices or, um, anything like that? Um, you know, this has been an opportunity, like, even though I'm a yoga teacher, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I did like a lot of yoga with my son. So this is giving me an opportunity to kind of dive deep, deeper into my yoga practice again with him and just kind of like share that with him. I, I've been focusing more on the meditation and the, the, the breath work for so long. So that's been really nice. Like we've been doing, um, like family, like my my husband's been joining on like family yoga. We've been doing like our short like family meditations. Um, yeah, that's really been kind of like what we've been our go-to has been. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, we're I am very interested in checking in with everyone about like what are you grateful for? What are you grateful for right now? What are you appreciating? We're doing a lot of that. And um, and I'm reading Watership Down with my nine-year-old, which we are enjoying <laughs> a whole a whole lot. Um well, uh, Thajal, this has been amazing. Where can people find uh, you and find your book? Tell us all about it. Thank you. Um, so you can find the book. The book is available for, available for pre-order. It comes out April 14th. Um, it's available for pre-order on Amazon. Um, you can even go to my site, meditationforkidsbook.com. I actually have um, five a, a mini, like, meditation course for parents who so has five bonus exercises with little vid videos that parents can watch and actually do if they want to start infusing these practices in their children's routine. It's not like you don't have enough on your plate already, but if it's something, you know, it's just a couple minutes, like one to three minutes a day, you can start doing that. And um, I am going to be hosting, you know, I'm supposed to have live book launch events in May, which obviously are postponed now. So in on May 9th, I'm actually doing a national online book launch event in until I can actually hold the, the in-person ones. Um, so definitely, if you are not interested in that, there's information on reserving your seat for that, as well as um, I'm really, really big on Instagram. Um, my son and I do meditation videos, so really quick videos. So if you want to watch the videos and follow along, my handle is at Thajal V. Patel. And definitely tune into my Time and Talks uh, podcast. Um, I do also like little... Uh, special episodes with my son where he'll come on and talk about mindful solution to modern kid problems where he takes the lead and he'll talk about things that are relevant for four to eight year olds and you know how to <laughs> mindfully deal with them but also have amazing guests like Hunter has been a guest on the podcast but just um, mindful solutions to modern mom problems so yeah that's the best places to find me. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for putting this um, this effort and energy into making this so accessible for kids and making it something that you know does sound realistic and doable. I came in, I came in a little skeptical, as Paige all remembers, and uh, I was like, "Well, are they really going to be able to be able to?" And and it does sound really accessible, really doable, really practical. 
sounds awesome. Go get the book and let's let's pass these tools on to the next generation and focus on these things that we can have influence and effect on and that's our kids. And so um, I think it's awesome. Thank you so much, Sejal. Thank you so much, Hunter. I love this vision that Tejal has about kids meditating. I think her, her child is awfully lucky, but we can do this, right? Like if you have little kids, you can take this, uh, the, these tools into your life. Check out her book, Meditation for Kids. And, um, and maybe you, you can have you get yourself some Zen, Zen kiddos or, or Kundalini kiddos, I guess. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. If it's helpful, please share it around. That helps an awful lot. Um, please leave a review and subscribe, of course, anywhere you listen to this podcast. That makes a huge difference as we grow this Mindful Mama tribe. It's growing. We're rounding down on 700,000 downloads of this podcast. So it's uh, you're part of a big community all around the world. Actually, like it's amazing. Sometimes I can look at the countries and see all these different countries around the world. It's really awesome. Shout out to South Africa. And there was someone in Palestine and everything is really pretty wild. Um, so shout out to you. And, uh, and a shout out to my New Zealand mamas and Aussies. Uh, so happy you're here too. And everyone, wherever you are in the world, of course, I'm so happy you're here. Before I go, I just want to remind you that the Mindful Parenting Teacher Training Program is going to be happening soon. If you are passionate about parenting, if you really want to ingrain these tools in your, your, yourself for, for life, you know, there's nothing like teaching to learning something. If you want to take Mindful Parenting, the Mindful Parenting course to your local community, then, uh, then check it out. We should have something up soon at mindfulmamamentor.com. And if we don't just email me, if you're curious at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. And I'm wishing you a beautiful peaceful week. I hope you ride these waves that are happening in this crazy time. Um, and don't expect a lot of yourself. I think I'm going at like 30% capacity. So if that's you too, don't, you're not alone. Okay. All right. I'm wishing you well, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for life? I've gone from being stressed and yelling to become more grounded, more at ease, and have more enjoyable, cooperative relationships with my kids. I'm going to show you how to do it too. If you currently feel stuck or stagnant, this is for you. I've created a free downloadable audio training, Mindfulness for Moms, the superpower you need. It will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids. To get this absolutely free, simply visit the website mindfulmomguide.com. That's mindfulmomguide.com. Get started with mindfulness, the superpower moms need. I'll see you there.